Well, thank you guys, thank you choir, thank all of you for participating in worship this morning. And so I hope it brings honor and glory to the Lord, I believe uh, it will. If you brought your Bibles, we're going to look at uh, some different passages. I'd like to share with you a sermon that I've entitled, God on Mission, the Church that God Can Use. On Mission with God, the Church God Can Use. Let's have a word of prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for a time that we can come together and worship you. And now to come and open the word of God, realizing the power that are on these pages, realizing what is the infallible word. And so, Father, we thank you for your word. Help us, Father, we pray not to be just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. We pray for each person that's here, but we pray for us collectively as the body of Christ. We pray, Lord, that we would be about your business. Help us to take our, um, our gifts seriously. Help us to take our responsibilities seriously. Help us, Lord, to realize the importance of service, giftedness, Help us, Lord, we pray even today to renew a commitment to you to serve you. And help us, Lord, we pray to have a, a concern for those who have never trusted you as Lord and Savior uh, of their lives. Speak to our hearts today, individually, but also as the body of Christ. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. On mission with God, a theme that we've had for several weeks now and just different topics along that theme. On mission with God, the church that God can use. If you would, turn to Matthew chapter 16. We want to look at one verse in Matthew chapter 16, and then we'll go to Acts chapter 2. We'll see as God began, or Jesus begins to speak to Peter and uh, right here uh, inside of a mountain... Uh, it's where he speaks about the church, Matthew 16, verse 18. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, if you will, look at Acts chapter 2. After Christ instituted the church, then he gave the church power. Acts chapter 2, a familiar passage, verse 8. Jesus says, But you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. We're living in a very critical time in America. I'm sure you're well aware of this. Some believe that we, as a nation, and as a culture, that our nation is spinning out of control. And if something isn't done soon, our nation, as we know it, will totally collapse. Psalm 33, verse 12 says this. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. 
Blessed, who, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. I suggest to you this morning that America is experiencing the very opposite. Cursed is the nation whose God is not God, whose God is not the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Cursed is the nation whose God is not the God of the Bible. Now it's been said that a nation rises and falls on its leadership. If so, the Bible has been one of the greatest influences in Americans' best-known and most courageous leaders. Let me name a few. First of all, George Washington. George Washington added the prayer, So help me God, to his inauguration oath. And after he said, So help me God, he reverently stooped down and kissed the Bible, that he had just placed his hand on to take the oath. Andrew Jackson, the seventh president of the United States, referred to the Bible as the rock on which our republic rests. It's said that Andrew Jackson, his own personal testimony, that he read three to five chapters of the Bible every day. Ronald Reagan, our 40th president, said these words. Inside the Bible pages, I quote, inside the Bible pages lie all the answers to the problems man has ever known. I hope Americans will read and study the Bible. Theodore Roosevelt said, and I quote, a churchless community, a community where men have abandoned and scoffed at or ignored their religious needs, is a community on the rapid downgrade. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Now, it sounds pretty critical for America today, but I have some good news. I have some really good news. The Democrats and the Republicans and the Socialists and the Communists and the Atheists are not in control of our world. They're not in control of our nation. The Bible says that God Almighty is in control. And it's not over until God says it's over. Look, if you will, at Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, verse 24, says this. Acts 17, verse 24. God that made the world and all the things therein, Seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is he worshipped with man's hands as though in needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And he's made of one blood all nations of men. See, there's only one race. There's not different races. There's only one race, and that's a human race. He's made one blood nations of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the, bond, the bounds of their habitations. That they should seek the Lord, verse 27, if haply they, may find, uh, might, they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. 
For in him we live, we move, we have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or gold or stone or graven by art or man's device. And the times of the ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. You see, it's not over until God says that it's over. 1 Thessalonians, I'm reminded, 1 Thessalonians, familiar passage, to remind us when it will be over. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, with a trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. It's not over until he says it's over. I'm listening for the trumpet. You know, the trumpet sound could sound at any time, any day, any, any hour, any minute, any second. Are you ready for that sound? But until the trumpet sounds, God has work for the church. Until the trumpet sounds, God has work for Mountain View Baptist Church. And when, you use, when I use the word church, you'll notice it, it can either refer to the church universal, Matthew 16, 18, upon this rock I will build my church, or the word can refer to a local congregation, the church at Corinth or the church at Ephesus or Philippi or, or those seven churches that are mentioned in Revelation. Therefore, God has work until he come again for the local church for the local congregations. And that work for the local church is to be on mission with God to reach this lost world to himself. That just simply means to reach with the gospel locally our communities, our towns, our cities, our state, North America, the world with the gospel of Christ. However, by all indications, we're failing at that task. We just had our association annual meeting. I was kind of taken back by some things that I heard. But not only with our county, but other counties, other states. But I think Alabama uh, and Franklin County, we baptized 161 people. Now that's important because baptisms are an indicator of people professing Christ. But our baptisms were down. To let you know, uh, we have 35 churches in our association that have 8,656 members, and we only baptized 161 people. We saw 161 countywide come to Christ. That averages about 4.5 per church, but we had nine that didn't report any baptisms, and we had 16 that reported five or less. And so we're not doing too good of a job reaching our communities. We're not the church that God can use to reach a lost world to himself. Sunday school, Bible fellowship attendance is down. We have Bible fellowship classes for all ages. If you're not in a Bible, small group study, you need to be. 
You need to be studying the word, word even much more as you see the day approaching of Jesus Christ. Bible fellowship classes study us down. Our, our Sunday school, our, our worship services are down throughout the county. Now what does that tell you? That just simply tells us that we're not the church that God wants us to be in order to reach a lost world to him. So that begs the question, what are the characteristics of a church, a local body of believers, which God can use to reach a lost world to himself? Let me list some. I jotted these down. First of all, the church that God can use first has to have a God-called preacher, a God-called preacher. Throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, God called those that he wanted to proclaim his word. He called Abraham and, and Moses and, and Samuel. He called the twelve disciples. He, he called Saul of Tarsus. He called them to preach the word, to share the gospel, to tell of a great God. And it's not a vocation that one chooses to go into but it's one that normally God calls you out of a vocation to be a part of. I was minding my own business, and I was in retail, and I loved that. But uh, God called me to preach. And without a doubt, I knew God called me to preach. You say, how do you know that, Brother Sammy? Because it's an inward sense of compulsion to preach. A compulsion to preach and to teach the Word of God and to minister to God's people. It's one of those, I've got to preach or I've got to die. That is, a, that is evidence or a mark of an authentic call. That you can't do anything else but preach. That's what you feel in your inside that you have to do. And outwardly, it's also an external call because a congregation has to evaluate and affirm the calling and the gifts of the one who feels like he's called to ministry. That's what Rockwood Baptist Church did when they licensed me into the ministry. So God calls preachers. John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, he said it this way, and I liked it. He says, none but he who made the world can make a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So for God to use a church to reach a world, God calls a preacher. He doesn't call a comedian. He doesn't call a humorist. He doesn't call a psychiatrist or a psychologist, someone to make people feel good, but he calls someone that can just simply say, Thus saith the Lord. And as long as you can show a book, chapter, and verse, you do pretty good with the preaching. There must be a God-called man in the pulpit. Secondly, there must be qualified faithful leaders. We call them deacons in our denomination. Deacons, faithful, qualified, qualified scripturally in morality, qualified in their giftedness, qualified in their faithfulness. Deacons. I'm going to call your name, deacons, if you would stand. Terry Pounders, would you please stand? Terry's a deacon, remain standing. Danny Peppers, Danny is not able to be here today, may be outside in security. Danny Peppers. Then you have Tim Reed, you have Benton Nix, you have Kyle Taylor, Terry Wilburn, Vance Hester, Brother Tommy Parker. Those are deacons of our church, and I appreciate them. Call on them often. Oh. 
I'm like the chairman of the deacons all. Mike, it's on here. I'll show you after the service. Mike Norton. What do I... <laughs> what point was I making? <laughs> Qualified. <laughs> deacons. Finished it. Well, they all are. I appreciate them. Qualified. Qualified faithful leaders, qualified teachers. We've got some great Bible teachers. They teach the Word of God. I've, you've heard me say, we, we need Bible teachers. We don't need facilitators of a classroom to carry on a discussion. We need teachers. Someone teach the Word of God. We, we need teachers. We don't need opinionators. We need teachers. And so the ones teaching our classes, adult classes, our children classes, great teachers. Teachers that are concerned about inreach, teachers concerned about outreach, teachers, listen, just like the preacher, and this is kindly concerning because we have to give an account to what we teach and how we teach. Very important. So for God to use the church, we have to have God-called preachers, qualified leaders, gifted teachers, and then we have to have transformed people in the pews. Change people in the pews. People who've been saved. People who've been changed. People, the Bible says, redeemed. The Bible calls them born again. Those that have a relationship with the Lord Jesus. That's who he uses. God uses saved people to reach a world to himself. And then I jotted down, for God to use a church, there must be unity. Unity. It's a, it's a terrible thing for a church to fuss and fight. It's a terrible thing for two Christians that can't get along. It's a terrible thing for a church to fuss and fight. I was talking to a, a preacher friend of mine this week, and I said, well, how's things going at the church? And pastor's a, a relatively good-sized congregation, and I said, how are things going? He said, brother, same things are going good. If I could just get them to get along with each other. My goodness. Remember the Bible says, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. Got to have it. For God to use a church has to be unity. For God to use a church, a church must be willing to serve unselfishly. Not about what you can get out of it. It's not about you. It's about others. It's using your spiritual gifts your natural abilities to minister to others. It's stepping up when someone else won't step up. It's offering a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. It's serving in Jesus' name. God will use a church that serves. God will use a church that reaches out with the gospel to all people. Not to a select few, certain color, but to all people. That's why we have our local missions that deal with our trunk or treat and our health clinic and hot dog giveaway and all those things we may do locally. And then we have our international mission teams that go out from outside the United States. And then we have our association building team that go within the United States and build churches. And so that's, that's reaching out with the gospel. God uses churches that are willing to reach out with the gospel. God, give us a desire to see people saved. Then God will use a church that focuses on discipleship. I shared this the other night briefly at the 
at the meeting. The Great Commission's A part and B part. We're to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. B is to teach them to observe all things I've commanded you, and lo, I'll be with Yahweh even to the end of the world. That's A and B. Evangelism, discipleship go hand in hand. Can't have one without the other. Can't have evangelism without discipleship. Shouldn't have. You can't have discipleship without the evangelism. They go hand in hand. And so discipleship is not just informational. You heard Kyle mention this the other night. It's not just informational, but it's transformational. Discipleship is not coming just to gain information, but it's to have our lives changed by what we hear. God uses a church that emphasizes discipleship, and God will use a church who's willing to pray and call on his name. We've been studying about prayer on Sunday evening during discipleship training that adults have. Tonight we'll have our fourth session on Before Amen DV series that's fantastic by Max Licato. And he gives us a little startup prayer that we can use when we're learning to pray. And that startup prayer is, uh, God, you're good. God, I need help. They need help. We dealt with that last week, how to intercede for others. And, and thank you, God. Just to, to use to start your prayer with. Fantastic tool. So we, we, we want to be a church that, that Jesus gave instructions to. My house shall be a house of prayer. We want to pray more. Pray more. We live in a very, very, during very, very troubling times as a church. And we need to be able and willing to pray. God wants to use us on mission to reach a lost world to Him. And He wants to use Mountain View Baptist Church. God called preachers, qualified leaders, gifted teachers, transformed people in the pew, unified spirit, unselfish serving, reaching out with the gospel, focusing on discipleship, and willing to pray and call on His name. Very simple. Today... Now, here's what we have to we've come to this point. It's decision time. It's about the church being used, but who makes up the church? The people make up the church. And so the big question is, that will you be willing to be used? Are you willing to be used? Are you willing to be the salt we talked about last week? The light. Are you willing to be the salt and the light in this old world? Are you willing to, to, to be what God wants you to be until the trumpet sounds? You say, well, Brother Sam, it's just not fun anymore. God's looking for people who want to serve him when the fun's taken out of it. That's called commitment. So I don't know how many churches and missions there are in the, in the state, but let's be a church that God can use. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for a time that we can come together and Open your word and focus upon what really makes a congregation what you expect us to be in order to reach a world. I've I just mentioned about just a few this morning, Lord, and there may be others that I'm sure they are. These are not just the only, the only characteristics of a, of a church that you can use. But, Lord, I pray that you'll use us. 
Help us to be willing to make a commitment today to be used of you. I pray for every individual here. And God, I pray today they'll examine their life and examine their service in the kingdom. And Father, that if they're not being used, that they would be used to your glory. Help us to be a church that you can call on. Lord, that uh, we'll do anything that we can do to help reach this world for you. Thank you for what you're going to do in this invitation hymn. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.